Good morning, good morning, everyone. We welcome you this morning to worship service online with Church of the Atonement. My name is Terrence Little, and I am the associate pastor here at Church of the Atonement. Pastor Ryan and his family are away today, but I believe they are joining us online as well. I pray all of you have had a safe and happy uh, Fourth of July weekend. We come this morning to worship. We come this morning to give our hearts, our minds, our souls to the attention of our Creator. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 34. I chose this today because in the sermon today, the Apostle Peter quotes from Psalm 34. Hear now, brothers and sisters, the call to worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Might we go to prayer. Almighty God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to gather to worship. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace to us. Even, God, in these difficult days in which we live, the scriptures teach us that you are supreme over all things. And Father, we ask that you would be honored, glorified, exalted this day as we come to worship. I pray, God, that you be with everyone who is on our Facebook Live page today. Be with their families. Father, let us know you've been with us this day. We pray all of this in the matchless name of Christ our King. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's join together and sing right where you are, the solid rock. Within the 
Let's go to the Lord in confession. Almighty God and merciful Father, were it not for Christ, our Savior, our solid rock, we would not be able to stand before you and confess our sins. But because of him, Lord, we come to you in confession knowing that you are ready and willing to hear our confessions and to forgive our sins. So, Lord, we ask that you would do so because you alone are able to forgive and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Lord, your word commands us to be holy as you are holy, to delight in your law with joyful obedience. But we fail at this daily. We long to be like the world and to enjoy its comforts and pleasures. And we fail to see hope. And this pulls us away from you. We doubt your providence and get angry with you when things do not work out the way we want them to. We despise our neighbors when they receive the blessings we think we deserve. And we puff ourselves up when their trials are worse than ours. We love ourselves and neglect you and our neighbors. Father, we are in desperate need of your forgiveness. In your mercy, hear our silent prayers of confession. Father, we praise you for your mercy and grace. We thank you for the, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, and the redemption he has purchased for us on the cross. Lord, cause our hearts to turn back to you in repentance and obedience that we might rightly love you and our neighbors this week. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Our assurance of pardon this morning is from Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Praise the Lord. Let us thank the Lord for his providence together as we give our tithes and offerings. Father, we thank you for your provision, that you are faithful to provide all that we need, Lord, you provide for us individually and as families and as your congregation, your church, your body. Lord, we pray that you receive our tithes and offerings, not as obligations, but as gifts given back to you out of the abundance of which you have given to us. Lord, let us give with cheerful hearts that we might glorify you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We continue our worship together as we sing ancient words.
time, I would like to invite not only children, but also adults to pay close attention now. <laughs> children and parents, this introduction is for you. How many of you know what this is? You know, of course, I can't hear you, um, but you can say it out where you are. People in here, uh, who, who, what is this? It's a map, that's right. <laughs> this is the good old trusty Rand McNally 2010 road map, road atlas that is to be exact. When I was a kid, I loved maps. My parents would purchase encyclopedias and I would cut the maps out of the encyclopedias and tape them on my walls. I don't think they appreciated that, but I love maps. I love maps. Why do I love maps? Well, maps tell you where you're going. Maps explain where you are going. People used to use these years ago. Now people use their telephones and the apps on those phones to get where they're going. But if you were going to take a trip, let's say, across the country to uh, California, to uh, Oregon, Idaho, any of those places, people would roll out the old road map. They didn't want to get lost. And just in case you did get lost, you could always go back and look at your trusty road map to find out where you are going. Pastor Ryan has been preaching through 1 Peter, the first letter written by the Apostle Peter. The letter is about how to have hope and how to live during difficult times, times even like those that we live in today. 
One word Pastor Ryan has emphasized again and again is the word holy. So I titled our message today, Holy Counsel for Holy Living. Well, the word holy means set apart, special, sacred. The Bible teaches us that God is holy. God is holy. And First Peter, he, he teaches us, he teaches God's people that we are holy. And his letter is a road map for believers in Jesus Christ to follow as they journey every day pursuing a holy life. God wants his people, God wants you and me to be set apart. God wants you to be special. God wants you to stand out differently in your communities, your neighborhoods, your jobs, your families, your friends. Why? Because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you belong to God. And that goes for parents and children alike. If you're alike, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you belong to God. Well, today's part of the roadmap is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 22. Pastor Ryan gave us a long passage today. That's all right. We forgive him. <laughs> this is the Lord's word, and it is very, very good. Listen to God's word here. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 8, and I'll read all the way to verse 22. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, 
were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, amen, and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Would you pray with me again? Almighty God and our Heavenly Father, we come now to the preaching and teaching of your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you give light. We ask that you cause us to understand, to embrace the word, and to be transformed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we are going to look at three things in our passage of Scripture. We're going to look at a holy prescription, a holy suffering, and a holy Christ. A holy prescription, a holy suffering, and a holy Christ. First, we look at a holy prescription. And here we, we zoom in on verses 8 through 12. Here, Peter writes into the whole letter, the whole letter of Peter. He's writing to believers in Jesus scattered across the region of modern-day Turkey. He's concerned for their maturity in their faith in Jesus. They're scattered about. And yet, he's deeply concerned that they be rooted, established in Jesus. He wants them to grow in their faith, so he writes to them, giving them instructions for living a God-focused life, a holy life. Peter, Jesus chose Peter to be an apostle. He was sent by Jesus to establish and teach the truths about Jesus. Peter teaches holy counsel, special, sacred counsel to these believers in Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, today, today the Spirit of God teaches you holy counsel, special, sacred counsel through the scriptures. In verses 8 through 12, you are given a holy prescription for living a holy life. In verse 8, everyone is addressed. This is important. It was important for them, and it is important today for us. And when God has moved us off of the scene, it will still be important for those believers in Jesus who come after us. These words, these words need today to have a prominent place in you, all of you, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Possess these. Cultivate these. Be intentional in your everyday life to make these a part of who you are. Unity means oneness, agreement. It means sticking together, working together. Sympathizing means thinking of others first. Putting yourself in their shoes, so to speak. It is caring for others. Brotherly love means loving others as your family. Here Peter has the family of God in Christ in mind. 
Ordinarily, brothers love brothers and sisters love sisters. In the body of Christ, which is the church, we are to love each other as sisters and brothers in Christ, joined together by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That looks like taking time out to talk to and to fellowship and to visit with your family in Christ. Brotherly love looks like having difficult conversations with brothers and sisters in Christ. Sure, we have encouraging conversations, but we also have the conversations that, that let you know brother so-and-so and, -so and sister so-and-so are indeed your brother and sister in Christ when they are able to talk about the difficult things of life in order for you to be more like Jesus. It looks like helping out when a brother or sister is in need. It's sending an encouraging note or giving a phone call. Having a tender heart means not being rigid or closed off from others. The tender heart cares for others. The, the tender heart is ready to help. It's ready to assist. It's eager to lend a hand. The tender heart takes the initiative rather than waiting around or not being concerned at all. Simple way of seeing this is, you know, rocks are hard. If you're going to go to sleep, you're not going to put a rock underneath your head at night. You're going to put a tender pillow there. Possibly, for children, a, a tender teddy bear. Nothing hard. Have a humble heart. Have a humble mind. Humility is the opposite of pride. Pride cares about, n number one, me, me, me. Humility says, I know that I am not God. I am God's creation. I'm God's child. I will follow my Lord rather than my way. God's way is the better way. Verse 9 teaches believers in Jesus to bless others rather than repaying evil for evil. Someone says something hurtful to you, what's the most natural response? Somebody says something to make you absolutely infuriated, what is the natural response? Why it's to say something just as hurtful to them. You want to inflict pain to them similar to what you have felt from them, but here Peter follows Jesus. Do not repay wickedness with wickedness. You are special. You are holy. You are sacred. Therefore, Bless others. Well, what does that mean? Do good to others. Do good to others in the name of the Lord Jesus and for his cause and for his kingdom. Intend the best possible circumstances and treatment of others. Act graciously towards others. You're special. Bless and do not curse. You were called to bless. You were chosen to bless. You were called to be the difference in the world, meaning God is your king, and God's mission is the most important in your everyday life. 
believers in Jesus Christ have been called out of ungodly living. They've been called out of a, re a rebellion to God. We're, we're all born into this world with a disposition against God. And the older you get, the more that is realized. But in Jesus, you're called out, called out of darkness by God to live special, sacred, God-focused lives in the world. Well, this is not easy, Terence. This is not easy. I'll come back to that a little later. But for now, the Spirit of God teaches us here in Peter to follow the road map that God gives you. Verses 10 to 12 are from Psalm 34, verses 12 to 16. The Psalms are considered part of the wisdom literature of the Bible. I love the wisdom literature of the Bible. Wisdom, biblical wisdom seeks to guide people's, God's people into the right road, the correct life path, the righteous street of living. Biblical wisdom points your direction towards what is good, the straight way, the narrow way, the right way. Years ago, my dad's mother uh, she would often give jobs to the grandchildren, and she gave a job to me and my cousin, Josh, and I think we were painting uh, the back bedrooms, what we were doing, painting the ceiling. And as often my relatives would do, mom, my, mom, my dad, both grandparents, sets of grandparents, aunts and uncles, my grandmother, Mama Lucy, she would impart some wisdom, some biblical wisdom, and she said, boys, we were teenagers, you want to know what it means to be a man? Read the book of Proverbs. When I moved to Washington, D.C., I took a class at Reformed Theological Seminary on the Proverbs, and it was an amazing class. In that class, our professor told us, Proverbs is about wisdom, and wisdom is about the skill of living rightly, the skill of living Right, lead. Peter teaches us biblical wisdom in verses 10 to 12. The Spirit of God teaches you and me today biblical wisdom. God wants you to be on the right road because the right road leads to life. God hears the prayers of those on the right road for they pursue what is righteous. Well, the wrong road is the road of evil, the road of evil living of recklessness, of evil decisions, of foolish lifestyles, that road leads to destruction. And as you read the book of Proverbs, you see that over and over again. There are two roads, the, roads, the road to wisdom and the road to folly or foolishness. One leads to life, the other leads to destruction. And here Peter tells us the Lord is against the wicked. Here, verses 10 to 12 again. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him, you can say him or her, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Don't be a liar. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Change your direction. Let him seek peace 
and pursue peace. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Well, Peter, what about suffering? What about suffering? So many believers experience suffering from a number of different circumstances. How should I understand being holy and suffering? Well, this leads to the second thing I want us to see today. Peter teaches us about a holy suffering in verses 13 to 17. He says it's good to be zealous. It's good to be eager for what is good. You don't see that on television these days, do you? It's a good thing to be eager about pursuing what is good. You want to be excited and joyful about pursuing goodness, biblical goodness. But be aware of this. You may experience suffering because of righteousness. Are you saying that if I follow what is good and right, I might also have to face suffering for it? Yes. This is part of the journey for many, many believers in Christ. Even today, there are people all over the world suffering because they believe in Jesus. Believers in Jesus do not fear if you have to suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Don't be troubled. Set aside Christ as holy, special, sacred in your hearts. Regard Jesus as highest in your soul. That's something you've got to work at. Be ready from your time of meditating and studying the scriptures. Be ready to give an explanation for the reason for the hope that is inside of you. God put that there. God put hope inside of you, believer. There's no need to fear then what man can do to you. Do people ask you about the hope that's in you? Do others recognize that there is something different about you? Something that resonates of Jesus Christ? Peter is one of those who suffered for the sake of righteousness. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were placed in jail for preaching and teaching about Jesus and doing ministry in his name. And I want you to hear how that particular situation ended between Peter and John and the Jewish religious leadership in Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read Acts chapter 4, verses 17 to 20. And here we have the Jewish leadership speaking in verse 17. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them, Peter and John, to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen 
and heard. We cannot but speak what we have seen, what we have heard. Amen. 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 All right, man. They are consumed, so to speak, Peter and John, with Jesus. In that same passage in early Acts, they say, the, 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 the people looking at these apostles, they say they've been with Jesus. They were zealous for the truth of God, for the purposes of God, and they were willing to suffer for it. They weren't concerned about being defensive. You hurt my feelings. They were willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel so that the unbeliever would hear it and possibly repent and turn to Christ. Be ready to make a defense. Your English Bible says defense. And it just means give an explanation about your hope in Jesus. And do that, he says, with gentleness and respect. Don't treat other people as if they are inferior to you when you talk to them about Jesus. No matter how strongly they may resist what you say or ridicule what you may say, be gentle and respectful. There may come a time when naysayers may slander you because you believe in Christ. But if you pursue Jesus, if you pursue his road of righteousness and goodness, the Bible teaches that the naysayers will one day be put to shame. Remember this, brothers and sisters, it's better to suffer for good, for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Suffering for doing evil is called punishment and discipline. Suffering for doing goodness is righteous and part of God's plan. Suffering for doing good is the example given to us by our Lord. Well, Terrence, what about when life gets difficult? How do I pursue holy living when my circumstances become hard for me to handle? Well, Peter gives us an answer. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Lastly, we look at a holy Christ, number three, a holy Christ, in verses 18 to 22. Jesus is the only perfect man who ever lived. He alone is perfectly righteous. Jesus never disobeyed God the Father. That's why he came into the world. Jesus, the second person in the Trinity, the Word, the Word became a man, a human, to suffer and offer his life as the perfect sacrifice to God in order to save the ungodly, in order to save you, and in order to save me. Verses 18 through 22 is an interesting passage, largely because in verses 18 to 19, it seems to suggest that Jesus went to hell after he died. I do not believe that is what the passage says or teaches. And I know that there are a number of people who disagree. There are people here in our own church who disagree, which is quite all right. There are other uh, pastors and theologians who disagree and others who think and agree with me. 
verses 18 through 22 are all about Jesus and the work that Jesus has done to save sinners. But it's also to demonstrate the judgment that occurs on unbelievers who never repent. The passage is a wisdom passage for Christians, for believers in Jesus. Remember that I said earlier, in biblical wisdom literature, the concern is living rightly before God every day. It means living in obedience to God's instructions, God's word. Verse 18 gives us the gospel. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins. There's a lot in there, a lot in there. He suffered once, not many times, once. Why? Because he's going to make one perfect sacrifice, which he did. The righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus the righteous suffering in our place, we the unrighteous. Why? That Jesus might bring us to God. Jesus being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, or by the Spirit. This is what Jesus accomplished, and it's the context of verses 8 through 17, and the whole letter which is concerned with holy living. Verse 18 ends with Jesus' death and his resurrection. He was put to death in the flesh, but he was made alive in the Spirit, as I said, or he was made alive by the Spirit. He came back to life by the power of God, the Spirit, which you read of in other places in the New Testament. Well, this moves us to verse 19, which I think can be read this way. In the Spirit, Jesus went and preached to the spirits who are now in prison because they were disobedient in the days of Noah when he was building the ark and God's patience waited while the ark was being prepared. In understanding what I just said, I want you to hear this. In translating that particular passage in the Greek, it is very difficult. Um, I've done it several times. I did it again this past week. But this is what I think Peter is saying. Jesus was preaching through the Holy Spirit, through Noah, while Noah was preparing the ark. Jesus was preaching during the days of Noah, through Noah. God's patience waited while the ark was being prepared. Why? Because that was the time for those spirits who were now in prison to repent and listen to Noah's message of righteousness. God wanted the people of Noah's day to follow the road of righteousness. But they rejected Noah's message. They rejected God's message. The Holy Spirit's message. The message of the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. I want to share two things here with you, and I'd like for you to write them down if you're jotting down notes. The first thing is this. Did you know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness? Did you know he was a preacher 
In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Peter writes, If he, God, did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the ungodly, and I stop there, what's he talking about there? Well, he's referring to what he spoke of in 1 Peter, verses 18 to 22. But he says Noah <clears throat> was a, a herald or a preacher of righteousness. While Noah was building the ark, he was preaching to people. Why do you bring this up, Terrence? Well, for this reason. I've often thought it weird when people have, in interpreting this passage, have said when Jesus died, he went to hell and he preached to spirits now in prison who were the spirits who were alive in the days of Noah. Well, that doesn't make sense. Why in the world would Jesus only go to hell to preach to the people who died at the flood as opposed to all the people who died after Adam all the way up until Christ died? The passage deals with life when you obey God versus life when you don't. The passage deals with repentance and judgment. Noah was preaching while he was building the ark. He preached a message of righteousness about living a God-focused life just like Peter is doing. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 12 are also, uh, is, is also something I want you to jot down. So remember that passage when you think about 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 22. Remember 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And remember this passage, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 to 12. Chapter 1, verses 8 to 12, especially verses 10 to 12. They teach us that Jesus was preaching in the Old Testament through the Spirit. This is why I love Bible study, you all. The Bible is perfectly woven together, perfectly woven together. It is a grand tapestry. Here now, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, chapter 1, verses 8 to 12. Though you have not seen him, meaning Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, Peter writes. And then he says this in verse 10. Concerning this salvation... The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, pay attention to this, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring, asking what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The prophets who spoke God's word were speaking as the Spirit of Christ who was in them was working. The prophets spoke about salvation and judgment Noah preached about righteousness, salvation, and judgment. Peter here is talking about 
righteousness, salvation, and judgment. Salvation would come from, for Noah and his family by getting in the ark. Judgment came with the flood on all who rejected Christ's message through Noah. And that's why those spirits are now in prison. They were judged because they chose the road that leads to destruction. Noah and his family, a total of eight persons, eight people, were saved in the ark through the waters, which is a type of baptism Peter teaches here. In essence, it's, it's, metaphor, it's, it's, uh, it's representative. The floodwaters saved Noah and his family, but they condemned the people who perpetually ignored the message of righteous living. Baptism now saves you, not as a removal of the dirt from your body. Baptism is an appeal, a grand request to God to give you a good conscience, a holy mind through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a sacrament. Baptism is a sacrament that Jesus Christ ordained for all who would follow him. It is an act of obedience for the Christian church, just like Noah and his family obeyed God and entered the ark and were saved through the flood waters. Noah and his family are in the ark. Noah and his family in the ark are a representation for you and me and all those the Lord will gather until he returns. Baptism demonstrates one is on the road of good, right, wise, holy living through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And as I close, brothers and sisters, right now, Jesus Christ is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. Angels, authorities, and powers are subject to him now as he is the God-man, truly God and truly man in heaven, and thus the only perfect Savior of mankind. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. All of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. Do you follow him today? If you do follow him today on the road of righteousness, do you tell others about him? They need to hear about him. One other word I want you to hear before we go. The author of this letter knows how difficult it is to follow the road of righteousness. He knows how hard it is to live a holy life. Peter often spoke out of turn. He lied about knowing Jesus. Jesus told him he was going to lie. He denied Christ three times. He was a hypocrite to the Gentiles. And hear this. Hear this. Each time Peter failed, Christ graciously corrected him and put him back on the path of the holy life. Amen. Every time he failed, Christ gathered him up. He corrected him. And he put him back on the path of the holy life. Hallelujah. Jesus did not put Peter out of the ministry. He showered Peter with grace. He put him back on the right road. Jesus even used Paul to correct Peter to turn away from hypocrisy, turn back into the road of holy living. 
Such grace is available for you and for me today. God calls us to holy living. Peter gives us holy counsel for holy living. And we only do it through the grace and the mercy of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we come to your throne of grace. For we, O oh God, we are in need of help. We plead for your mercy. We plead for your grace. Father, I lift up names of people in our congregation today who need your mercy in their situations. Give comfort to Rosemary Haynes on the loss of her mother, Joan Fitzgerald, this week. Spirit of God, be with the Haynes family as they grieve the loss of their loved one. Give healing to Alan, Lloyd, Cecia, Brian, and Nathan as they recover from surgery, heart issues, and sickness. Bless the surgery of our sister Mavis on this coming Friday. Guide the hands of her surgeon and all those who will assist in the procedure. Allow this procedure, Lord, to remove the great pain she's been enduring. Bless the surgical procedures for our brother Ted, our brother Ted Butler this upcoming weeks. And there are several procedures that Ted stands in need of. And Father, we ask you to remove the obstacles. Place his doctors on the same page. Grant the surgeries of our brother that our brother requires, Lord, that he may come forth stronger and ready to give you glory. We lift up those among us, God, who are laboring in the medical profession, helping people, God, who are dealing with COVID-19. We pray, God, for, uh, for, for, for Diane, for Timmy, for Nima, for Jelaine. God, if I've left anyone's name out, I lift them up to you as well. Father, I, I want to pray for your church in the world today. This weekend, this country celebrates the 4th of July, but not all countries and peoples celebrate. Father, while we are thankful for our country, may those who are called according to your name, those who are believers in Jesus Christ, those who are truly disciples of Jesus Christ, remember whose kingdom they are ultimately allegiant to. Father, we grieve as we look back across time. We grieve at the atrocities humanity has committed against each other. How often we forget what men and women have done to each other, regardless of color or class. How often we forget that we live in a world afflicted with sinners like us, and sinners who afflict the world. Humanity, the Bible teaches us apart from Christ, is bound in the chains and vices of sin, walking down the road of what is foolish, ungodly, and headed to destruction. Father, we remember the horrors of slavery in England and the United States. We remember the senseless killing of millions of Jews in the Holocaust. We remember the genocide of millions in Cambodia. 
We remember the pointless genocide called ethnic cleansing in Rwanda. We remember the foolishness of segregation. We remember the horrors of abortion in the United States. We remember the many human wars fought throughout time, be they justified or not, at the cost that cost the lives of millions. We remember the Armenian genocide. We remember and grieve over the ungodly bias prejudices shown towards people of Latin, Asian, Native American, and many, many other ethnicities. And the list goes on and on. We grieve today that in our own country, Christian people align more with a political party than with the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We grieve today that the concerns of Jesus for a broken world are not our own. We grieve today, Father, because men and women love darkness rather than light. We grieve because the church has forgotten that. We have forgotten that Jesus came for the sick. We've forgotten that Jesus came and by his blood he ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Father, we, the church of Jesus Christ, have become comfortable with the world. And we have forgotten that all of life is about you, God. You give life. You direct life. You, O oh God, provided a Savior to save people from your righteous wrath and to give them life. Father, in these days, when the world is troubled by viruses, earthquakes, locusts, political unrest, in these days, the church needs to hear the word of the Lord. In these days, the church needs to be washed and cleansed and renewed so that the church can be the light of the world. Father, the people of this world, this world belongs to you, the Scripture teaches us. And the people, God, need to see your church, your people, living and walking in the road of righteousness, of wisdom, of truth, of godly defined justice, of love. The people of the world need to hear the good news of new life in Jesus Christ. The people of this world desperately need salvation. Father, the end of time is in accordance to your divine decree. But until then, you call the church to shine the light of Jesus Christ into the darkness of humanity. Father, the gospel of Jesus Christ can change anybody. And it can change the world. Father, pour out the gospel of salvation and save in these days, we pray. Bless your churches to refocus and to devote themselves on listening to and learning the life-giving Word of God and living it out. Bless your missionaries, Lord, to take the gospel of Jesus into all the world and grant them fruitfulness of ministry. Father, I do indeed thank you for this country, the United States, and I plead your mercy upon it.
May believers in these United States be good citizens according to the word of God and for your glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors according to your common grace. May the church of Jesus Christ shine and God demonstrate, please demonstrate your great power through the preaching, teaching, and ministry of your people. That those who sit in darkness see the great light who is Jesus Christ. This we pray in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Brother. Amen and amen. Brothers and sisters, let's sing together, Wonderful, Merciful Savior.
thank you very much. Thank God for this time of worship. I thank the worship team for the diligence that they've done all these Sundays for all the different people of our church who've come and have been able to be a part even here as we broadcast out. It's been a great, great blessing. I want to give you an important announcement. Families, get ready for Wilderness Escape 2020, an at-home family Bible camp experience. Family Bible camp this summer will feature homegrown atonement online videos of our celebration time, Moses' tent drama, and marketplace shops. Additionally, each atonement family with children from one year old just through just finished fifth grade will receive a take-home box full of program materials. Videos will be accessible to everyone until August 12th. At this time, we do not have craft materials for non-atonement families. However, please email children at atonementlife.org. That's children at atonementlife.org if you'd like to be put on our waiting list for surplus at-home materials. Well, how do I get materials? On Sunday, get this, on Sunday, July the 12th. Repeat that back for me at home. On Sunday, July 12th, at any time from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., load your family in the car, head over here to the church parking lot. You'll be greeted by friendly masked faces that you know and love. Preferably, you'll recognize them. Uh, follow our traffic signs to the package pickup area. Stay in your car. We'll load a take-home family pack created just for you in the back of your car. So that's July 12th from 3 to 5 here in the Atonement Church parking lot. Um, we'd also love for you to in, uh, arrange to pair up with another family from the church to complete the program this summer. Um, it's going to last uh, from July the 12th through the week of August the 9th. <clears throat> Let's see here. We also invite you to connect via our closed faith Facebook group, Atonement Kids and Families. If you're not yet a member of the group, please email Kristen Rundell, Kristen with an I, K-R-I-S-T-I-N dot Rundell, R-U-N-D-E-L-L, at gmail.com. And an email is going to be sent out also this week giving all this information as well. I'd also love to encourage you to take time to read Atonement Life. Carrie Jacobs has done a fantastic job with Atonement Life during our time of quarantine. Well, brothers and sisters, I give you the good word from the Spirit of God to you from Psalm 34, verses 17 to 19. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Go in grace, brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen.